Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com slash cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Have you ever watched the movie Brave? Yes, I have. Near the beginning, they're sitting down at the table and the queen says, Fergus, no weapons at the table! I always have weapons at the table, though. What? We must always have weapons at the table. I mean, knives themselves. Exactly! Exactly! Anything and everything is a weapon. It's not a matter of how you tend to use it. That is true. Yeah. First time we were at the movie theater and saw that right there, she was laughing for about a good five minutes. She's yelling at Fergus. We're no supposed mind. to have a few more, but... No one wants to take our masks off for this. No, you guys are the panel, the uh, panelists. You, you should take off your masks so we can understand you. We'll make adjustments so you can hear us at all. Did you like crying like that? Did you like crying like that? And then... And then... And then... <laughs> Yours stands up so much nicer than mine. Mine just... I, I, I keep it in the little uh, envelope they gave us. Same, but it's because maybe you keep yours folded and I don't. Maybe that's yeah, this is always folded. Do you whisper sweet things to it? What? <laughs> no, I threaten sweet things to it, so it's it, it, it oh, over. I, I threaten them with my kitty cat, so. <laughs> <laughs> you stay folded or else! I'll call kitty! <laughs> You should remove the purple underneath. I think he'll look better. Yeah. It it took a whiff. Yes. We did the make and take. (laughs) Monster boxes. Very nice. Wow. Oh, no, Holly is so cute when she was working on the designs. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. On Wednesday night, Danny Green, she was like, look at this thing I made. Which is a birthday. Give us the cookie. No. No. Well, let's see. Uh, I, I think we're about at time. I guess it is just one year. Yes. This is going to be fun. It is going to be a second time. Because I'm, I'm the plucky comic relief, usually, or, or the professional smartass. So, uh, you, you want to take it? You want me to take it, or? Uh, sure. You know, this way you got. But it goes probably wrong. You can the newcomer. So. Okay. So, okay. Um, the dark side okay. of fantasy. Yes. Yes. So. Welcome to the dark side, everyone. This is the dark side of fantasy. 
and I'm not really sure what we're supposed to be talking about. But you're, than, you're Santa. Well, yeah, I, I was you like, you know, they put me in here, and I'm, you know, uh, oh, oh, oh. I mean, it could be Krampus in disguise, you know. This is true. This is true because to every legend and every story, there is a dark side. Truth. And and uh, Star Wars proved that, and Lucas became rich. But still, <laughs> it's uh, okay. It, it depends on what it is. What is darkness and fantasy? I guess is the, the dark side of fantasy. What is the dark side of fantasy to you? Oh, tell you honestly, there's of course the old traditional side of you know good versus evil and that sort of thing, and that generally is tend to how I tend to view things. But it doesn't have to be defined upon what is ideally considered to be you know good versus dark. It's usually going to be all about the intention behind something. Mm-hmm. I mean, unicorns cute, cuddly, you know, pure individual beings on one side of the law is virgins, you know, pretty fields and the flowers, protector of all things good, and in other ones, it's like, you know, they, they slaughter the virgins and they like everyone else sort of situation. Vampires, you know, originally we had Count Dracula, we had the whole Helsing side of thing, Alucard, now we have Twilight. Okay, uh, let's table Twilight for a while because I have something totally different on that right there. There's a dark side to that right there. There is definitely a dark side. There yeah. are the hundreds of thousands of deaths that occur that no one wants to talk about while they're gathering all the vampires, you know, save Bella. But yeah, yeah. But either way, you know, it's it's however you choose to interpret something and the position that you put it in. We again, we have the traditional bad things, and now we have the more modernized. It's all good. I mean, even the Bible was like that. There was the Old Testament too. It was all fire, brimstones, turning people into salt pillars. And now it's, I don't care what you've done. Just say three Hail Marys and, you know, make a donation to the church and almost forgive it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I, my, my study is in psychology. So I, oh, I, yes. Same. Yes. Scary business. So what I'm wow, really? wait wait get the book up. We need to have product product placement. Yes, yes, this is important. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, I've always uh, been uh, of the the Jungian theory that uh, horror comes from people acting out, but not really. In that they. Uh, the person cuts them off in front of traffic. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rip your But they can't do that. But if they're a screenwriter in Hollywood, they yes, can. Exactly. <laughs> so. Oh, oh. I, I mean, I don't go intentionally, you know, killing people off for the sake of killing them off. But I do have some, you know, former bosses who I am less than fond of, and other individuals who, you know, make perfect primary sources on, I need a bad individual, why not pluck them out and of course, you know, make the necessary changes to where I can't get sued or anything or slaughtered individuals. Well, to to put it in the words of Jubal Harshaw from uh, Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein, he had a better off dead list. So yes. (laughs) Oh no, I I, I shouldn't go upon that rant, otherwise I could be, you know, be the next target for the FBI's, you know, hit list sort of individuals. Just like, let's see. I don't mind (laughs) y'all. Comments over here, you know, Tagafo. Let's see if she's got anything fun to say. She's just talking about more lobbying stuff. I swear, she said she was going to have this elaborate plan for murdering the president. 
We're going to keep listening. It's all code. Absolutely must be code. Absolutely well, must be code. Well, we were doing conspiracy theories earlier, so we'll just throw out little grains of truth and then your own your own uh, specific uh, interpretation, and we'll just play a giant game of internet telephone with it. Yes. Do you remember that? <laughs> so. Okay, where is it? Yes. Um, the dark side is really just based upon the individual's intent, really, because even the most horrendous bad guy is doing it for a reason and it probably stands for a very good reason. How many movies and books have we come across to where the bad individual, very good, strong, noble cause of the person just went about doing it all in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then other people who oppose their ideology said, you are bad, we define ourselves as good, and so it is now our intent to kill you for the sake of everyone having a happy life. They're, they're all on their own hero's journey, and to them, they're the hero of the play. Exactly. The world revolves around us, because, you know, mm-hmm. we are ourselves the most important beings in the world. Everyone else can fudge off. Yes, <laughs> yes. Except for Kiwi. <laughs> true, true. There must always be that side character that keeps you up on track, makes your life a wee bit better, and, you know, just cleans up all the messes that you leave in your wake and pretend that it's actually to happen. <laughs> Nailed it. No. It's always <laughs> provides good food. You need to have at least a cook in every single situation. That's me. Yes, sir. Serenity, one of the bad guys in it, makes a comment of, you know, he's trying to work for a paradise, and he makes comments that even he is monster, so he does not belong in paradise. Mm-hmm. So. But he also saw himself as a hero as doing the right thing. Yes, he was a good guy. He didn't he was, understand yes. that what he was doing is so bad. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it was for him all for a greater purpose. Yeah. Yeah. The the heroes like that are sorry, the villains like that right there. <laughs> I really I think they've just started to come about because in the beginning there was uh, well, using Dracula as as an example. He was just looking for his next meal, or his next bride, or his next, you know, there wasn't really... Death. Death was what he was, he was uh, after, period. And it's just, and everything he touched turned to be. So it's... uh, (laughs) There's no depth to his character, is what I was trying to say. It was just very, like, this is who they are, this is how they are. We have a nice little box to characterize them as good and evil. Yeah. And nowadays, it's... uh, You've got to have the, for want of a better term, the motivation of the bad guy, so you actually learn from them. And people identify with the bad guy more, I think, because they recognize their own fallibility and their own foibles in them. Does, does that does that make sense? Or? It does. It does. I mean, everybody you know has these you know more darker thoughts we keep in back of head. We generally tend to not act upon, especially we don't have access to our grandfathers. You know, all living ourselves back in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, so bad guys generally think to be a lot more interesting because the good guys they all have some very noble cause, and yes, nobility is very good, and we all strive for that, but. It's less easy to achieve that pinnacle point of goodness because situations have to be set up for that individual. The heroes are generally chosen, they're prophesized. Well, we're all everyday average Joe sort of thing. And that's something that anybody, and that's generally what the villain was. They were just that 
person next door that you never thought would be anything worse than just they stoop, they took my newspaper. Never thought anything like that, and that's formal relatable. It's just, and then he, they had a crappy life. Mm-hmm. We generally have crappy points in our life at one point or another. Yeah. And that's then that person said that what happened to them and just ran with it and made it the best of the situation. They were just one lab experiment away or lab accident away from being a supervillain. Exactly. Okay then. <laughs> so yeah, what happened when falling down? Hmm? He doesn't realize he's the bad guy until the end. Yeah. Well, it's it's prime example is Dr. Horrible's sing along blog. He yes. eventually, they eventually he eventually got everything that he wanted. All it cost him was a penny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a bad man, I know. I, oh, no. I, 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 I've been told that before. And that's a friend's joke, and I just used it. So. <laughs> well, technically, he did get everything that he wanted, because Teddy was part of that, but he had to give up on It's more of a, you have the dream. But it's like, which do you go for, the career or the personal life? And he got the, and he got the career. And truth be told, who can say no to bad wars? You know? <laughs> and, his, and his terrifying uh, death, Winnie. Yes. 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 So, so, yes, there is a lure of evil, which, uh, again, works with the people identifying with the villain. And being the, basically, in a story from... When I was growing up and I was reading comic books, that's where my most of my genre came from. And my mom was like, you know, I'm four years old and I'm over there reading Superman and everything. And and she's over there saying, like, he's over there reading those funny books and getting poisoned in his brain and everything like that. And my grandfather said, hey, he's reading. <laughs> he's reading! Just be grateful that he's at least getting some, he's at least getting half yeah. what you want done. But, but the thing is, is, you know, the, the good guys were the blue tights and the bad guys were bald, you know, and it's, it was the standard stereotypical he's a bad guy. It wasn't until we started developing Lex Luthor as a bad guy and then making him into a multi-billionaire uh, CEO of a company who, you know, got away with it because he could afford to, mm-hmm. that, you know, you actually got depth to the character and would be able to identify with him more. Especially seeing him as eventually becoming a, a president of the United States or a member of Congress, because it's it wasn't his drive was power. So, I know. Sorry, tangent. Didn't mean to. Anyway, uh, but leading on to the whole tangent with uh, you know um, a whole Ender's Game where you know Peter, the older brother, just absolute worst individual, yeah, terrorizing and you know torturing his younger siblings. Turned out to be, he spent so long pretending to be good. He turned good and became, you know, this grandfather hegemon to where everyone was like, Peter the Great, you know, Peter, Peter, his, his younger brother who saved him, you, you know, and he killed off the entire race, he called genocide down with Ender, even though just a few years ago we were like, yay, Ender, we're alive it's now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a combination of perspective, I see it. It's, I, it sounds like I'm going in circles, and I am. But because it's, this is just a, when you look in the darkness of fantasy, you're looking at the darkness within yourself. And something in there is identifying. This is the way it is to me. 
something identifies with the evil. And it's, in some cases, it's liberating. In some cases, it's uh, cathartic. In some cases, it, uh, it drives the story forward, yes, which is the main goal and objective, because you can't have a hero's journey without conflict. But at the same time, it, it's on that emotional level that we get the dopamine fulfillment from it. And I think the, like, the darker side of things is actually evolving. It's now just not an individual who is evil. It is more of a society thought loss. Put, puts them into that situation type yes. thing, right? Yeah, it's like, um, I, we, we can see what's going on nowadays, too, where we're trying to make up for all the bad things we've done to certain genders and races. And so we're now going to the exact extremes, too, where some people are now being discriminated just because, you know, they... It's a reverse discrimination sort of thing. So we're now having evil being just something that you are, and you now just have to put up with it. I mean, uh, differences in sexuality for the longest time, you know, is perceived as being evil. And that's the fact people have gotten to look through that now to where they're now transitioning to where it doesn't matter what you are, you're an individual or a person. That's sort of now changing into the whole new version called the darker side of things. It's not just an idea, it's not just a person, it's an idea that is now good or evil. Mm-hmm. Anybody got questions? Because we'll go on like this all day. No, <laughs> <laughs> no questions? Uh, okay, a question for you guys then. Uh, what do you see as there's there's such a thing in a in a story in the hero's journey which what i study uh which is the necessary evil of the conflict okay what to you is well let's just make it a popularity contest who do you think is the best uh example of a dark villain in fantasy Now, everybody's got an opinion on this, I know. You've got that, that one who's kind of like, yeah, but I don't want to seem like a dork and say this one right the here. The penguin. The penguin. <laughs> yeah. Now, which version of the penguin there. are we talking here? Are we talking like the new Gotham version of the penguin, or are we talking, you know, like... You're talking the uh, Batman yeah, Returns. Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Yeah, where he started out as a, the little creature, little baby that is supposed to be eating, yeah. tearing apart things like people's hands that they put in the... Yeah, he did. He did. He did. He's and he was a he was a bad guy. He loved to hate, but that's that's pretty much exactly what I'm talking about. Is that one person has that one dark. Uh, um, not icon, but example. Uh, Just the imagery or the iconic. The, the icon, <laughs> Thank you. The representation of what evil is in in their minds, as far as what the darkness and fantasy is. Yes, uh, one of my favorite Pentagon uh, is uh, the Daredevil villain. Yes, Kingpin. Kingpin Wilson yeah. Fisk. Yes, yeah. yes. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He's trying to provide for his family and everything like that, but all he was taught was to make better community. Yes, from the 
certain point of view? Yes, <laughs> from a certain point of view. Damn you, Toby Wan. We're choosing those words. But uh, it's, uh, it's what we see as being the villain, the necessary evil that uh, we have that's for want of a better term, necessary for the story to progress. So, because you've got, the hero's journey is always the, the hero is here, something happens, he becomes aware of a situation, and then he denies, you know, having to do anything about it. I'm going to use Luke Skywalker. He was like, you know, okay, you must learn the ways of the force and learn the entire or and eventually went on to, uh, <laughs> eventually went on to Onkinola and Aunt Baru and he said okay I'm going to do this and then eventually he's on he's force projecting himself across the universe to fight a bunch of people and going like this right here with a lightsaber so <laughs> yeah just pure sass it's like you know you're done <laughs> so but that was his journey all the way through. So, um, I, I, what are some of your favorite villains? A classic Darth Vader. Classic Darth Vader? Yeah. Before the Anakin. Before the Annie, the Orphan Annie. The Little Orphan Annie, yeah. <laughs> okay. Why, why, did he, why did he appeal to you? And it's just because the iconotry of him, you, you look at him and you know that's the big bad evil right there. Yeah. Well, well, it helped with the music as soon as he first came in. It's like, one, two, three. Okay, he's important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact he's just as deadly to his own side that yeah. he is the rebels. Yeah. It's like, you're confident, but I'm angry. <laughs> Oops, promotion time. Okay, but to be fair, he started murdering up the various underlings during the second movie. And that's after he lost his best friend when the first Death Star played. <laughs> his son helped murder his best friend. I'm just saying. There were lots of lives lost that day. Yes. All that hit him more than Grand Moff Tarkin. Think of the daycare on level 47. Exactly. I <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know it was going to go this way. Did you? <laughs> it went dark. Really we start, you know, talking about like this sort of all different kinds of physical creatures. What instances we've seen them like the, you know, light and frilly and frou frou, like true, you know, fairies. True. We have one vision of fairies. Like Tinkerbell. Let's go into Fae, shall we? Let's go into Fae lore. Okay. Don't eat the food. Yes. Don't thank them for anything. Oh, you, can't drink, you can't drink anything they offer you either. No, no, no consumption of anything. Stay away from those um, fairy ring circles, otherwise you'll be kidnapped. Yes, yes. Uh, no dancing. Don't give them your name. Yes. No dancing, no giving them your name. I like to say, so far you have just described like Mexico. Don't drink anything, <laughs> don't talk to them, just stay away. It's all about the bag, man. <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you're going to get some terrifying move. Yeah, in this case, you know, they just yeah. kidnap you, or even then, if you haven't done anything to them, they'll just kidnap you and swap you out for one of their own offspring, so that way you turn into another 
I don't forget the, how the whole exchange program the works with that, but I, I do know that the whole changing perks. Yes. Do they keep them or do they do know how that works? Because I looked it up recently. Please share. Basically, they're stealing the human baby to use as manual labor in the Fae world. That, oh, okay, but the yes. problem is the baby that they leave, there's a few different ways it could actually work. Is Ideally, they leave like a weaker fae in the place of the baby that will get sick really quickly and die. Oh, so no. they can't, don't have a loose end of where's the missing baby. Yes, yes. Alternatively, it can sometimes be they're like faking it and then they're gonna like, once the baby is buried, no, the baby right. is buried, they sneak back off because that way they're essentially increasing their the numbers of the fairies without actually having to do that whole messy breeding and raising their own children thing. Yes. Or it could wow. be along the lines of, you know, hey, uh, we're going to send you in there like a super agent, you know, go and learn what the humans are doing, bring back their technology and understanding of us, and, you know, implant false ideas to take it further away from a superior racial being, then, mm -hmm. so that way we can, you know, come day, someday come out and rule the world. Right. Kind of. Which is really weird because the primary original way to get your baby back <laughs> was to torture the what baby you thought was the fake. Get the horseshoe yes. out. Right, oh, which is terrible because you know maybe you just don't have a standard baby. <laughs> yes, uh, or that you know get them to at least admit you. Oh yeah, I'm fake. You know, I'm totally right. not legit. This, right, the Let's get into the darkness. We're getting there. Come on. The torture was to try and get them to like yell out for help, and then the fairies would bring back the baby as a peace offering to return their own kind back to safety. Terrible. I, I think that's just the excuse they gave to for mal uh, malnourished parents who didn't want to admit to the fact that yes, I accidentally you know strangled my own child. You know, SIDS, SIDS are wonderful, right? SIDS, and then there was, and then it also theoretically was like a way to a kind of excuse, like yeah, yeah, like developmental delays, like. If the child had anything wrong with it initially, it obviously you know, I mean, it's a baby. You can't guarantee it'll be perfect right off the bat, and you can't guarantee you'll notice, you know, any sh shortcomings. Big quotations around there. Yes, like right off the bat. Sometimes you need to let the baby develop a bit before you know. Except for my nephew, he's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he is really cute. Yeah. He's not very cute, but he's. No, no, no. He, he doesn't deserve everything. He'll earn it. So. He, is, he deserves it. He is. But yeah, um, I definitely say original like fairy lore is definitely dark side of fantasy. Yes. I mean, even Tinkerbell did try to kill Wendy. She did. Yes. I mean, yes. think of the Irish. You have the silly and the unsilly court. They're yes. both yeah. bad, but then there's the bad, bad. <laughs> and um, I forget uh the name of this, but um, the uh. Infants, the dead infant from uh, the Witcher, you know, uh, the unborn baby, oh. and then if you put it in on the grave, it you know, starts terrorizing the household. But if you give the child the name and it's buried underneath your uh, front doorstep, it will then be a protector of the house because you at least named the poor thing. Hmm. That's so uh, good. Name it the third. It's like, why the third? Because <laughs> everyone will be curious about the first and second. <laughs> it's dark, man. Anyway. But it's it's not just, you know, in the Feywild and everything like that, but let's let's go a little deeper into what made us who we are during fairy tales. 
being mm. odious. Although, admittedly, I've heard people argue that Grimm actually just stole everything from his work. I think that's what they said they plagiarized from, but... Uh, I'm not sure about that right there, but I do know that the, the big difference between the Grimm fairy tales that we read mm. as children <laughs> versus <laughs> what they really were. Yes. <laughs> What do you so remember? Mermaids turning to seafoam. Oh, yeah. As I recall, um, the princess and the frog, you know, she actually threw the frog against the wall and killed the thing, which is what brought him back to life as a prince. Like, hey, I, I, you, I, you've been abusing me, you've been treating me like crud, but hey, do you still want to get married because I don't have a kingdom to go back to at this point? <laughs> also, I'm, also, I'm handsome now. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, now that you're no longer a toad. <laughs> Like, I guess I'll marry you now. Lady's gotta have her standards. Yes, yes. How do you know he's not gonna go back to being a toad? He's a man. He will turn into a toad eventually. We all, we all, metamorphosis, we all transform as life goes on. We go from a little bald thing to putrid, acne spewing, nasty thing. We have a few good years of like, I'm pretty, and then it just. We go back and back. Hey, okay. kids, get off my lawn! Hey, with you there. I'm starting to go there myself. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Who are you? Squirrel! You're gonna have to talk into my good ear. Oh, okay. Okay. We're going there then. Yes. Okay. <laughs> It's a downhill luge, guaranteed, because, you know, it's, it's where we, we make jokes because there is darkness in us. We have to. If we don't, we're sociopaths. Mm -hmm. Okay? Everybody knows your head because, yeah, you're right. Both sides will laugh at it. It's just a matter of, do we laugh at it so that way we don't fall into a manic state of depression because we... If we don't laugh at it, we're just going to be sad for the rest of our lives. Or we laugh at it because, like, huh, yeah, what's the next thing again on the agenda? There's a difference right there. Do we laugh because otherwise we're going to be sad? Or do we laugh because why not? Yeah. Did you see that blood, blood spray over there? It looked great. It's so funny. No, I, <laughs> I didn't tell yeah. you that story. <laughs> Sorry. If you look at the blood Jackson Pollock, yeah. And that, that's one of the whole hell is paved with good intention. You know, it's when you compromise. That's the dark side. It's how far are you willing to compromise? And I actually think that's one of the uh, another reasons why it makes, you know, bad guys so much more relatable than good guys. Because good guys generally have these very high standards of morals, which it's very difficult for us to relate to after a certain point in life. Because, I mean, just look at our jobs in general. I mean, we have co-workers and not bosses who we just want to throttle. Um, there are people who we have to interact with who are less than charming or you know it just could be that you're in like a emergency responder medical sort of situation to where you're constantly dealing with the fact that somebody's dying, someone's injured, someone has been sexually assaulted. Um, I, you know I, I work in emergency dispatcher response myself sort of situation uh, that does sort of overlap somehow with military territory now and then. So I get fun phone calls of regards of potential 
rape situation and six marines in the closet. And I'm just laughing at the six marines in the closet portion while I'm trying to ignore the fact that there's this topless 18 year old girl in a room with a 26 year old male trying to cover him up from the police department. And I'm just like, I'm going to focus on those six marines in the closet. Yes, very much. Thank you. A clown cause sort of situation. Just imagine them all tumbling out. Mm. Versus, again, the dark side of the situation. You've got to you've got to enjoy whatever comedy you can when you're in that type of situation. Exactly, and you know, if it's not appropriate comedy, you've got to have some comedy. Yes, but no, we can't have heroes laughing at that sort of thing. That makes them less than perfect. Makes them less than ideal that we should be striving for. Where the villains, you know, the girl, like, you know what that sucks. Man, those those clown combo reads. Can't you just imagine it? So again, can't we just have? Freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they saw everything. Yes, and so that makes the villains in a lot of situations much nowadays much more realistic because again, they do have their faults. They do have their less than ideal sides. Um, normally nowadays we're not really seeing heroes with these actually really compelling backstories to make them do anything besides the fact that somebody died. Well, actually. Here lately, the term has been started in the 90s actually, mm. for, especially in comics. The uh, concept of the anti hero. Oh, yes, anti heroes. Started coming up. And then you've got guys like The Punisher and Wolverine and uh, Deadpool, the Merc with the Mouth. Yes. Who, what are they doing? They're killing people! <laughs> They're killing them in mass and doing all sorts of, you know, you know, what do you like this bub? Snick! And just taking them out. Everything, but they occasionally have good intention. Yes. But they've got good intention, and they're the good guy. Yes, no, anti-heroes are definitely <laughs> my favorite of all the categories. I remember those like one uh, assignment that I had for a math class. Do I had to make a storybook and utilize math in some way or another? And uh, being a complete weeb, you know, uh, <laughs> manga and whatnot. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do a hero villain sort of situation. You know, a little bit of a parody of sort of like Dr. Horrible sort of thing, a little bit. Um, but, you know, at the time, you know, anti heroes was still a bit of a subject that was still a bit foreign to me just because I hadn't delved fully into the whole, you know, mainstream Americanized comic sort of thing, so I wasn't sure I was very much accustomed to. But that's what I did with mine. I made them a sort of anti hero, and the premise was behind the fact that, yes, yeah, she does good things, but she also holds in there a gunpoint because, hey, I don't get paid for this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You thought you had to get your message across. Yeah. Then you get it to where uh, even the icons start becoming anti-heroes. Batman, mm-hmm. prime example. He's what is what is he? He used to be a guy that would fight crime and do detective work, and now he's a ninja that you know beats people to a pulp to get the information he needs. But he never kills them. No, no, they, never just, get, kills they them. just get very tired when they fight. Very, very, very tired, very crippled, but yes. never, never dead. And wait till they get those medical bills. Yeah. <laughs> well, not like he cares so much. He's got the funds paid all his bills. Yeah, it's like you know. So, what's your superpower? I'm rich. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's like, 
Because Bruce Wayne guy keeps donating money. You know, he could be a weirdo in his basement <laughs> pretending to be a hero. I'll keep an eye on him. Uh, well, I what? mean, Batman could be playing it smart, in which case he's hiring his own company uh, to actually create all these new things. So therefore, he's just essentially paying himself with his own funds. And then he also gets the benefit of sponsorship and good public press for assisting the heroes, and then you get the whole discount of it. So it's a very smart advertising scam. There was actually a TV series that they did uh, not too long ago on NBC. And I can't remember the name of it to save my life, but it was set in the DC universe. And they worked for a division of Wayne Tech. Oh, oh Batwoman. Oh, uh, not Batwoman. Powerless. Powerless. Oh, yeah. Powerless, it, yes. It, it, yeah. So they had it to, they had it to where the, uh, the bad guys were constantly coming in, and they were always doing R&D for Bruce Wayne. He says, like, well, suppose somebody had a freeze gun. Okay, we'll work on this project right here. <laughs> suppose somebody needed to climb a building. Okay, we're working on this project right here. So, but, it, you know, not saying anything... But it was just the people behind the scenes working and doing the things to get everything going. And eventually the gal who's in charge of it, you know, she starts going like, hmm, isn't that the thing Batman used that we did the, the that's kind of, isn't that ours? So it's, Don't worry about it. Shh. Yeah. 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 It's, well, yeah. But his is cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you really get these wonderful toys. Yes. It's um, the anti-hero is alive and well, and so much so that he's actually become almost an icon. They want the person that rocks the boat to to be the person in the spotlight. It's not a good thing. That's our darkness incarnate, I think. But I won't go there. Anyway. <laughs> Um, the darkness and fantasy. Where do we draw the line? Where do our dreams and our legends and our stories, where do they blur together? Where does the dark come from? How does it happen? I'm not speaking rhetorically. I'm saying, mm -hmm. you know, guys, yeah. I need you to think about this. I need you to to give input as far as what it is. Because we make fun of it, but it's there. It's like Tolkien when he took a lot of his stuff from his war experience, you know, from a very dark part of his history, and he put that in literature. Mm -hmm. uh, our own uh, Will Hur, he, uh, he's does things with uh, some of the stories he's going to be writing now is going to be putting him in a very bad headspace, but he's going to be doing it because it's therapy for him. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's dealing with, and he's done stuff dealing with PTSD too that helped him work through that as well. So it's uh, I don't know. It's a huge topic. Mm -hmm. How do you pigeonhole it? Uh, you got me so something. I mean, again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to. <laughs> but it's, it's just a matter of, again, it's like as you said, there are these lines that can or cannot be crossed. I mean, okay. I, I think all these very good defined lines of what shouldn't be crossed as, you know, acceptable evil and, you know, non acceptable evil, such as, you know, 
don't go human babies just because. Yeah, the the whole changeling thing. We're good on that. Don't don't push the iron horseshoe on the baby. I was saying more upon the lines of you know the pharaoh, you know killing all the uh, firstborn. Firstborn. Yes. Well, it wasn't that one, but uh, like all the Jew infants at the time frame, which led to his downfall down the way because you know you don't go killing babies just because you know you have a population problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's one of those evils of greed. It's not acceptable to try to do that in pursuit of something better. Kill off the adults, use them as food supply. It makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so. Isn't there tough? Because they're old. Oh, no, no, no. You just cook it slower. Dar- darling, the tenderizing <laughs> techniques we have now are so much better than they were at the, at the turn of the century. They will take all of the homeless, grind them up, and feed them to the hungry. Two problems both. But the homeless in California have the Black Death now. We have to at least cure them first before we can start serving them as meat patties. Yeah. Yeah. That was part of the reason why you have to cook them properly first to get all of it up, all of it nice and good. Right. Ah, the label is SoCal Green. It's, yeah, like I said, it can go dark real quick. <laughs> Real yes, quick. The prime example of this individual we few we happy few. We band of brothers. Yes. <laughs> it's uh all right, yes ma'am. Well interesting okay, so since we're on the subject of where do you draw the line? One of the uh, the horror webcomics I read it is like an anthology and so as we were reading through it, it was like talking about a guy who found some weird pictures in his um, in his bed uncle's attic and it's like pictures and it's like big surprisingly sweet boy and it's like this little kid that curled up in the curled up in a corner and like all this and as you're reading it like the initial thought is like oh dear lord he was a pedophile and then he gets to the end and it's like oh wait no he's just a cannibal that's so much better and, but that's the thing i was like because I felt really bad thinking this, but then I went into the comments, and everyone else was also going, oh gosh, oh thank goodness, he's not a pedophile, he's just a cannibal. And I was like, how is that better? They're both terrible. I mean, but it is, the cannibalism, but, they don't have to suffer past the initial death. Anything bad you do to them after the whole cumulative portion, they, don't, they aren't there to experience themselves. With the whole pedophile thing, you abuse them, you do horrible things to them, right. and then they have to live with it afterwards. Right, the lasting consequences, I think, is really part of why it's so much worse in our society. But it's like, these are both terrible. So why is one of these, you know, why is finding out that it's just killing and eating people so much, like, so much more reassuring? Well, there's also like, a matter of fact that you can just imagine that the person that can kill and eat more bad individuals. You know, we have, again, the whole Twilight thing of Edward, I must drink the blood, <laughs> but um, I will only drink the blood of bad people, you know, rapists, murderers, thugs, all these, all these individuals, so I'm justifying myself as being good. And so we can just imagine a cannibal, you know, doing that sort of thing, you know, being a um, modern-day version of Hannibal Lecter, you know, they only kill individuals who are rude, corrupt, and so therefore they're doing us a favor, so long as we ourselves are not complete jerks, we're perfectly fine, but, you know, pedophilia is one of those things where you're taking something innocent, you're corrupting it, and you're leaving a wake of destruction, and there's just no 
way of looking to spin a good light upon that. And so that's again on the darker side of things, you know, just how do we perceive it that makes something good or bad, light and dark. Yeah. Whereas also you have to look at our culture. How many uh, how many jokes are there about uh, animals, and how many jokes are there about pedophiles? <laughs> as far as I know, there are none that that are publicly you know said. But animals, you'll get jokes like uh, two witches standing there together, and one says, "I." The doctor says, "I can't have children." He says, "That's okay if people live with dietary restrictions." <laughs> so, no, I've heard a couple of pedophilia, pedophilia jokes before, but that was when I was more younger, in which case you know, the pedophile thing wasn't as serious as it is now. Where it was just like one of those things where I just sort of, I don't know why. I've, I've heard a lot more jokes about pedophilia when I was a kid than I have now, so it's just one of those things. Yeah, well, I think, I think that might have been to, to I know, right? educate, educate <laughs> the kids and keep them away from. Be aware. Be aware, you know, that... Uh, don't talk to strangers. Yeah, don't talk to strangers. Don't take candy from strangers. I drive, a, I drive a large white van with no windows. Okay? And I look like Santa. Yeah. Okay, I'm quite involved in jokes. Remember, consent stops the rape every time. Oh. Horrible jokes. That is a bad joke, that does. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so we've covered the Fae, who are the biggest, baddest. We've covered pedophilia. We've covered uh, the cannibalism. We've covered sparky vampires. We've covered Batman. We've covered the Batman, the anti-hero, and everything. So yes, it's uh, there is a place of. Of darkness and fantasy that is necessary to pers- to continue the story. How much of that is a reflection on us? I can't say. I'm not. I I I am not infallible, nor do I have the the power to tell what is good or bad in that regard and what, where the line is. I know where my own line is. I'm keeping that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Read the next book to find out where to pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, but. yeah, no, I think one of the worst things is the fact that, you know, people, they like to, there's times they like to hide their darkness to a way, and they were not, you know, most, there are those, and I think it actually is sort of revealing, actually, the more, open we are to our own dark sides, you know, the other people are like, oh yes, you know, I say these crude and horrible things, you know, I'm a horrible person. Actually, it's a better indicator of them being a better person than those who say, I am good, I am righteous, because, <laughs> you know, if, if, they, if they view themselves as, if they surround themselves with good things and, you know, present themselves as good and nothing but good, you know, there has to be a reason for it. But yes, there are probably those individuals who led this most incredibly non-hostile, polite, good kind of life. But there are also those who either use their goodness to justify the bad things that they do, because I am good, ergo, even if I do something that's bad for anyone else to do, it's fine for me to do. Or it's because they're trying to hide or expunge some horrible thing they have previously done in the past, which they could be ashamed of, or just again, still trying to conceive. Uh, yes, yes, a conflict from. Okay. So... 
I would generally prefer to hang out with an individual who says, yes, I am a jerk, I do all this horrible thing, because at least they're honest. being honest about it, you know, and you can draw the line up to where I can approve of crude jokes now and then, I can approve of you have, I can, I can go along with you having these thoughts of, you know, how the world could be better, but it isn't, and what I and what you would believe would be best for that to improve that. Because then I can choose whether or not to associate with you or not, based upon what you told me, versus an individual who I know nothing about, and I just have to really, really hope that if I were to be walking down a dark alley with them, that I'm not going to end up in a worse situation than I was expecting. Expecting. How much do you believe they're oppressive? Yes. yes. <laughs> So the basic premise that I'm taking away from this, and you restate everything, is that there is darkness in us, and to be able to exercise the darkness in a safe, productive manner to get catharsis and growth. We have to have evil and darkness in our fantasy. So that we're not out there carving up each other. So we're not out there bashing in children's heads. So we're not, you know, pushing old ladies downstairs with their money. There has to be a darkness so the light can shine through. Although you have to think about it, I mean, if books were written, we all know children's books, you know, being all light and frilly, you know, making good friends and whatnot, and those stories are all very short. So, basically, in regards to our attention span, as to how long we can go along with things being happy, with things being good, before we get bored with it, and to which case we need conflict for us to be entertained. So, obviously, not many of us can live a the life of a Buddhist monk who can just meditate for hours. <laughs> no, no, no. The fact that we need something bad to happen for us to get any sort of sense of excitement or some sort of thrill, at least some gossip, mm-hmm. to go with our day so that we're not bored and just crying and, our eyes out. And I think it also comes down to a little bit of self-serving on our own part, because it basically comes down to the point of when you read a book, Better them than me. Mm-hmm. Like a horror movie. <laughs> Seeing the victim running on the screen, you're like, I'd never do that. Yeah. It's it's well, it's like Eddie Murphy's said. It's like you know, nice house, good neighborhood, good schools. This place is beautiful. I love it. I love it. Get out. Too bad we can't stay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's how it is. Y'all have any questions? Do you think there ever could be like a story where they are the villain of their own story? Someone who doesn't see themselves as a hero, even in their own story? Have you watched Despicable Me? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Megamind? Mm -hmm. Have you seen that it's Doctor Horrible? Horrible, Mm -hmm. Prime example. Yeah, they're 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 there. They're they're there, but it's uh, you know what they. It, it's it's a different take 
from the bad guy's point of view. But if you understand his reasoning behind it, it all makes sense. It makes sense. And then can you really qualify the bad guy then? It's when you start agreeing with it. <laughs> That's where the darkness and fantasy lies and can lead you. When you just follow orders. Yeah. You just if you just follow orders, there you go, fascism. Yeah. If if you uh, you know, just like you know, if we if you know there was a state run religion. Yeah. <laughs> Danger zone. <laughs> a um, lot of us have ended up like this right here. <laughs> so we um, actually bring up a horror movie. So uh, originally when I was going into this panel, I wasn't quite sure exactly what we'll be talking about. But uh, I did pre-plan sort of like, what are the three things that I feel is necessary for something to qualify as actual true horror and not just to know, oh, it's scary. Um so if you don't mind me sharing those ideas. Go for it, please. Uh, so the first one, oh shit, it's the first one I wasn't trying to remember. Well, one of them was um, uh, realism. Uh, another one was suspense. And, oh shit, really was Well, so the whole suspense thing, you know. You can't just have the bad things or the scary things. The, Freddy Krueger, the Jason, you know, chasing after you, just having to be like back to back to back to back, because it's that anticipation, that buildup, that really gets your adrenaline and blood pumping, and just waiting for the moment to happen. And if it doesn't, there's this huge sense of relief, and then it suddenly does, and you're just taken back. You need to have that suspense for there to be sort of roller coaster of emotion, uh, for you to really appreciate it being horror. Um, Another one that I can remember off the top of my head was, again, the uh, realism. And by that, I mean, just means the life... Oh, that was the third one. Oh, it had to have... cannot have a happy ending. But the, another one is realism. Like, how likely, if I were to be in that situation, to fall into the trap of the victims? I mean, with, again, the whole uh, Freddy Krueger and... Well, so not, sure, not Freddy, um... But uh, a camper boy, Jason. Jason. Yes, Jason. You know, the kids go into an abandoned park area <laughs> where they have heard these stories of, you know, accidentally maniacs being there, and they think it's just hogwash. So they go out there, they have parties, they're just being stupid, you know, alcohol, sex, all the things that makes Jason upset. And then they are, ups and then they get angry when those bad things that they were warned could happen actually does happen, and they just get very upset. But us watching it, we were like, we were like, oh, you know, we we know better. Ergo, this wouldn't apply to me whatsoever. So this is just another fun thing to watch. Okay. And then, so when there's a horror movie, to which case we ourselves wouldn't be able to recognize the danger. My favorite version reference for this point would be The Grudge, the Japanese version of The Grudge. You know, all of us at one point or another are going to be looking at places to rent, places to go to. And they didn't even buy the house. They just walked in there. And they became the target of unrestrained evil and malice. And then the last thing necessary is that it cannot have a happy ending. We cannot have our favorite character or the individuals recognized as the victims to walk away happy. They can come out with a lie, but they cannot be happy. Because then it gives sort of the whole self-gratification idea of, yes, they, they had these horrible experiences, but they overcame it. 
they appeased or they killed, they, they somehow managed to save the world of this evil. But they're broken. But even they're if, broken. Even if, again, if they're broken, that can still be okay because, you know, then it isn't still happy. Mm-hmm. But when you come up from seeing this movie with this family of four people, you know, driving away happily laughing as, you know, the little vortex is destroying their house. You know, it would suck. We're laughing about it. You know, it's fine. It's good. It gives a sense of relief that, you know, even if I were to go through what they did, I just now know how to counter it. Ergo, it's not true horror because you're not looking over your shoulder every five minutes due to the suspense buildup. Just seeing in your your mind playing tricks upon you, actually, you do see a long-haired lady in the corner of the shadows, or you're afraid to even look underneath your bed covers as you're lying there, just like, am I going to see the face staring back up at me? You need to have those three things for the true, proper, proper horror, in my opinion. And definitely I agree with the, uh, it leaves you changed, because, prime example, poltergeist, what did they do once they got the hell away from there? They got to the hotel. They rested. No, they put the TV outside. <laughs> then they rested. <laughs> the TV. Door closes. Yeah. Yes. Four minutes to your next panel, sir. Downstairs. Four minutes to your next panel. Um, so we've gone through the gauntlet of, of darkness. And uh, um, thank you for all six of you who stayed. <laughs> Yay! Just, yeah. Just so you know, there's a special place in hell for each and every one of you. Oh, you know? <laughs> I'd love to see you down there. That's right. As long as it's special, right? Absolutely. Right, it's special. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to thank you all for being here. I'd like to uh, thank my uh, co-conspirator here. Yes. Uh, Heshe. 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 Yes. Heshe. And uh, that's... Uh, if you got anything to add? Oh, well, uh, yes. Where can we find you guys online? Oh, That's so a good, let's do some question. product placement. So, I'm uh, at Tucson.com. That's it. Uh, so, <laughs> so. Uh, you can find me up on Facebook with the name Heshe Leontes, as well as you can look up Plague Doc Inc. as an incorporated, not actual ink. I also have business cards for anybody who would like one, as well as pamphlets of the opening scene for my book, in case if you'd like to see what it is I've written about and will be continuing to write about for the next few years, I hope. And I will be doing one more panel tomorrow for the binge or not to binge. Alrighty. That's it, folks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Yay, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition, and Scion, Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.